0: Pella's Wish for a Liminal Worlds, an audio series featuring standalone episodes to sleep to or to leave on as background noise. Each episode is set in a quiet, lazy town called Pella's Wish. One particular resident of Pella's Wish, Bazan, romanticizes the town in all its sleepy, boring glory and enjoys lingering within the many liminal spaces throughout the town. To sum it all up, Hardly anything happens in Pella's Wish, and Endobazan hardly ever does anything. So put this series on in the background and get back to whatever you were doing. Or kick back and tune into Bazan's unexciting wanderings, Or shut the lights, hop into bed, and drift off into a liminal dreamland. Pella's Wish is for you to breeze through your days and nights with a lazy smile on your face. EPISODE 1 DAYDREAM PLAZA Endo Bozan brushes his teeth, combs his hair, pours himself a glass of water, and then sits by his window, overlooking an empty street and a detached house. That house has been vacant for as long as he has been staying in this studio apartment and you cannot picture a family living there not a quiet family or a reclusive individual. With white walls, an A-frame roof, and tall rectangular windows, the house sits alone in a long stretch of plain green grass. A lonely tree stands several yards away from the lonely house, as though intentionally distancing itself from the house. Both the tree and the house are equally shy. Sometimes Enzo stands within the distance between the house and the tree and he looks out at the vast grassland ahead. When he stands there, he can see another tree on a small, shallow green hill. It is a tree smaller than the hill it is rooted upon. Sometimes Enzo sits at the top of the shallow downslope before the grassland and watches the tree on the hill for an hour or two. He has never approached that small hill for the sake of respecting the tree's privacy. He will not go any further than admiring it from a distance. Admirers, Anzo has had a few. For a few of those few, the admiration was mutual. But much like his relationship with his tree on the hill, he admires the distance just as much. Anzo knows that this tree has mutual feelings for him. This morning, Anzo woke up with a plant springing to mind as soon as his narrow eyes opened. Today he will visit Daydream Plaza. He hasn't been there in the past two months, but it was a place he had frequented for the two years before this two months. It is one of the main reasons why he stays in this studio apartment. It is a 15 minute drive away from Daydream Plaza. Although this is not the only reason he stays here. When he came to view this apartment, the first two places he visited were the parking lot and the stairwell both of which were equally underused, and when he saw that the state of the building matched the stairwell and parking lot, he decided that he will move here as soon as he can. A week later, he moved here, unpacked a few of his belongings, arranged his furniture, and then set out for his nightly wanderings. The first two things he did was spend an hour in the stairwell, then an hour in the parking lot. In the stairwell, he spent as much as fifteen minutes on each landing, looking through the small square windows that were set above an average mine's height. He tiptoed to look through these windows to find that each window presents the same view, the abandoned construction project, a concrete skeleton of an unfinished building painted black in the dark night. It looks like it was meant to be an office building or another apartment, judging by the frame of it alone. If it were an apartment, nobody would live there because everyone who would live there already lives here. And none of the very few people who live here would bother packing the belongings and moving the furniture to an apartment right next door from here. This apartment is already sufficiently comfortable. If it were an office building, nobody would work there as office workers would not prefer a more active environment to work in. Working here would be torture for those office people. They would look out the windows or glass walls and roll their eyes when they see the vast plainness out there. They need activity out there. People walking, people talking, things generally happening. Out here, there's not much of that. The most activity one can catch is a truck roving down the long road. This construction project was doomed for failure. Now it is only a concrete skeleton that sits beside this apartment. It is grey inside and outside and is mostly made up of just pillars and platforms. There are three floors and one staircase on each floor. Staircases leading from one useless floor of concrete to another. If it's going to be useless, might as well go all the way. Stack up the uselessness. Not that this sight bothers Enzo, though. Indeed, it added more weight to his decision to move here. It was the ribbon on the gift, the icing on the cake. It only makes him wonder which businessman was baldy enough to begin such a risky project, only to realize later that it was doomed for failure. If Enzo were a successful businessman, however, he would do just that and make it seem like a mistake too. To him, it will be art, and in his eyes, the world needs more of this artworks. He can't get enough of it. After looking through the small square windows and the stairwell landings, he then climbed up to the stairs to stand on the following floor. Over there, he spent as much as five minutes opening the door and staring down the corridor. Each floor in this apartment were nearly identical, save a few mildly distinctive features such as a black stain in the wall on the second floor, or a butterfly sticker on the fourth door on the fourth floor. When Enzo reached his floor, the fifth floor, it was already past midnight, and his eyelids were heavy. He entered his room, poured himself a glass of warm water, and chucked it down. Then slumped into the mattress on his floor and, with a smile on his face, stared at his dimmed ceiling until his eyelids slammed shut for a full eight hours. Today, after gulping down his glass of warm water and watching the view outside his window, he grabs his car keys and then heads out of his studio apartment. As he usually does, he takes the stairs to go one floor down first. Then he eyes the off-white walls and ceiling of the stairwell before opening the door to get to the lift lobby. Of course, he can take the lift from his floor, but when else can he treat the stairwell if not when he is going down to the parking lot? The lift lobby is on the right corner turning at the end of the corridor. There are two lifts, which is one too many for an apartment like this. The developers of this apartment were a tad too ambitious when designing this place, perhaps. But that is where magic happens. When the creator puts more thought in a design that would eventually not be as appreciated as they thought it would, all of the lost appreciation is where Enzo's admiration begins. On the left wall beside the lift doors there is a window that looks out at a series of lonely trees tucked neatly alongside the road. All these trees have found a distance by choice, afraid that their togetherness would be more harm than good, a selfless choice more so than a selfish one. Their distance from one another is sad, and yet it is admirable. It is how they choose to preserve their special relationship. The distance, in that sense, is important. When the lift arrives, it arrives with a sad, dull ding so soft even a pin is capable of making more noise. Inside the lift, surrounded by the silver walls, Anzo depresses the last button in the button panel. The lift doors close and carry him down to the lowest floor, the basement floor, the parking lot, Anzo's second home. In the basement floor lift lobby, Ansel stands at the notice board which has no notice to display, but he stands there as though there is. And he looks up at the fluorescent light as though maybe he will find a notice hidden in there, but there is none. He continues looking there, and how the light cast beam of white that gradually succumbs to the shadows along the stretch of the ceiling. Then he looks down at his black shoes against the white tiles. And he fits the tip of his shoes within a towel each. He walks over to the beige door while aiming the tips of his shoes into the tiles. At the door, he stares out the glass window in the door. He eyes as much as the view allows him to before he finally opens the door and enters the parking lot, his concrete heaven. He approaches and leans back against the pillar neighboring his car and looks at the lift lobby he had just exited. Through the window in the beige-lift lobby door, he sees the ray of white light raining down from the fluorescent light above, while the wall behind it is draped in shadows. On either side of the lift lobby walls are rows of concrete pillars with colored codes on each pillar. A4, B4, A1, B2. Majority of the parking spots are vacant, waiting for the end of the world. On the far right side there is one yellow hatchback. And near the lift lobby, there is a gray sedan. On the left, there is a blue sedan. At the bottom of Enzo's shoe, there is a flyer. He reaches down and picks up the white and pink paper to read that an art gallery has just opened up in Daydream Plaza. This flyer is a week old. It seems that this new art gallery will greet its first visitor today. Enzo enters his car and starts the engine spending five minutes to warm it up before leaving the parking lot. Later, probably tonight or in the zero hours, he will meet the parking lot again, and she will welcome him home with her big concrete arms. Today the weather is on the foggy side, as it is on most days, if not all days. As soon as Anzo exits the parking lot, He parks his car by the roadside between the tree and the house that he views from his studio apartment window. He winds down his window and judges the thickness of the fog by how blurred out the small tree on the shallow hill in the grassland is. The green of the leaves is barely green from this distance, rather a light gray. It is the kind of fog that points towards a rainy day, although it may be a false alarm as it usually is. The weather is like glistening eyes that may never shed its tears today. It is like this on most days. It is a part of this sleepy town's personality. This town is called Pella's Wish, and if Enzo were to write a description about this town, he will write, Pella's Wish is the detached and narrow glistening eyes of the world that hardly sheds its tears, and when it does, it only drizzles, and when it pours, It is as silent as it is when it drizzles. He rests his hand outside and leaves it in the cold for a moment. He squeezes and spreads his fingers to see if it is so cold outside that his muscles will tense and limit mobility. It is cold enough for his fingertips to become slightly numb, but not enough to make his teeth chatter uncontrollably. Then again, he has always had a high tolerance to the cold. Perhaps if he were to rest his hand outside for over an hour, then there will be a resistance when squeezing and spreading his fingers. He leaves the window down and turns his car back onto the road. He finally begins his short trip towards Daydream Plaza with his hand outside the window fighting against the breeze. As he drives, he wonders if the plaza has changed at all in this two months. It is unlikely that anything more than an art gallery had happened. Perhaps an art gallery is all that had happened this past two years. Enzo parks his car in the outdoor parking lot outside Daydream Plaza. There are only two other cars in this entire parking lot, each one at the farthest corner away from each other. Leaving his car engine on, he goes out to purchase a small bottle of water from the vending machine in front of his car. Then he sits inside his car again. He pulls the lever below and beside his seat to adjust his backrest so that it is sloped backward slightly. Sipping on his bottle of water, he stares through his open window at the lazy entrance into the white mall that is daydream plaza. The glass doors and the glass walls that look into the dim shop lots most of which are vacant. Peering through one of the glass walls on the second floor, Anzo notices that something else has changed about Daydream Plaza. The computer shop isn't there anymore. Inside that shop lot, there is now only a white concrete pillar. Anzo drinks up enough water that should keep him hydrated during his walk, and then he kills the engine and exits his car He stands several feet away from the glass doors of the entrance and looks up and down the white building. He takes a deep breath, filling his lungs with the cold air of Pella's wish, and then he lets out a long exhale through his pouted lips. He pushes the glass doors open and takes a step into the white and grey emptiness. When the doors close, only then he realizes that the breeze was howling outside, because inside, the howling transformed into a murmuring. It is the sound of the wind brushing with the walls outside, or finding its way through whichever arbitrary it could find. Sucking his hands into the hand-warmer pockets of his black coat, he walks up to a vacant shop lot, leans against the wall beside it, and then sits on the floor and closes his eyes with his head rested back against the wall, his legs spread out straight. He listens to the music that the breeze makes when singing with Daydream Plaza. How could he have not visited Daydream Plaza for so long? What is wrong with him? Has he gone mad? Daydream Plaza has never let him down. This hiatus borders on criminality. With his eyes closed, he is a particle of dust hanging by the window and the upper levels of the plaza. There is a thin opening in his window, and so when a gust of wind blows outside, it makes its way inside. It carries him away with it. It takes him around the darkness of the shop lot and lets him rest on the fixture of the fluorescent light bulb. From up there, he looks down at the black gaps between the floor tiles and he spends a thought on all the dust particles that are stuck there. Are they sad? Are they happy? Do they wish to take the trip with me? Then the wind comes back around to swoop him up and carry him out into the walkway. As he travels along the railing on the third floor walkway, He looks over the railing to see the endless stretch of white tile flooring and not a living thing in sight down there. Along the walkway, he is taken into a left turning and through a dim corridor. At the end of the corridor, there is a twin door which is open a crack and looks into an even dimmer place. He enters the crack in the twin door and travels down a dim stairwell with flights of stairs that never seem to end. As he soars above but down along the stairs, the wind that carries him hums, sings, howls and roars, the wind bouncing between the concrete walls of Daydream Plaza. Finally, he reaches the end of the downward trip. He exits the stairwell through another crack in another twin door. He floats his way to the empty shop lot across the twin door and is caught by the wall beside it. This is the end of the dust particles trip. Anzo opens his eyes and realizes that he had fallen asleep and that him being a dust particle was a dream that began as an imagination. His imagination carried him off into such a wonderful nap and dream, as did the wind carry the dust particle. At which point did he fall asleep? He brings his knees up to his chest and wraps his arms around his knees. He dares not close his eyes again for the worry that he will drift away into another wonderful dream. The dreamlands can claim him at the end of the day, but he would rather check off another item in today's mental checklist first. Neither item in his checklist being the art gallery. How long would he spend at the art gallery? It depends on whether the art are to his taste, and the art he admires are much like the art that his wish. In Anzo's eyes, this entire town is an art gallery, with each art piece he can explore in depth. Hardly ever, if not ever, will he tire of them. This art gallery may be another dull delight for Anzo, in the sense that it is an art gallery within the art piece that is Daydream Plaza. Anzo stands up, using his hands to dust the seat of his pants, and then he slips out the flyer from his pocket. He reads that the art gallery is located on the second floor, and so he begins his walk towards the escalator moving up. Once he reaches the second floor, he discards the flyer in the trash can at the end of the escalator, as he would much prefer getting lost while searching for the art gallery that shouldn't be hard to find. All he has to do is search for the shop lot emitting more lights than the others. One out of three shop lots will be the art gallery because there are only two other shops here. One being a handbag shop, another a toy shop. But the very moment Endo discards the art gallery flyer, he spots the art gallery at the very end of the walkway before him. Indeed, it really wasn't that hard to find. Now his plan to get lost while searching has been ruined. Standing beside the trash can, he folds his arms atop the railing and looks ahead at the art gallery. From the outside, it looks like an art gallery that he will enjoy touring, yet another place for him to get lost in. The entrance is doorless and the walls are glass. Through the glass, the art can be seen lined up neatly along the walls and partitions. The tones, not much the colors, but the tones of the art are those that he agrees with. Judging by what he can see from the outside, that is. Yes, it looks like a place that he will enjoy touring. But what now that he can get lost while searching for it as he has planned? Plan B, he will walk a full round around the second floor and stop by the toy shop first. Over there, he will spend some time looking at the artwork and the packaging of some of the toys. He turns away from the art gallery and begins walking towards the other end of the walkway where there is a mural. It is a mural meant to be attractive to children, children who are not often present here, if not at all. It depicts, or rather is supposed to depict, a ball pool. But it is likely that the painter realized that he was more ambitious than he was skilled, and that painting a ball pool throughout the stretch of the wall would require more than he was paid for. So then the painter only drew the contours of the ballpole and the balls within it a few and far between. There are only twenty balls, Enzo had counted many times before, and it takes twenty-three steps to get from one corner of the wall to the other. The space behind the balls of varying color is baby blue with shades of space blue. Perhaps the painter was lazy as he really could have painted more than twenty balls, But Enzo has never complained, not even in his mind, as he can stare at this mirror for over half an hour, and he has. It is meant to be attractive to children, but it seems it is only attractive to Enzo. As planned, he visits the toy shop and makes his way to the furthest end of the furthest aisle. Over there, he picks out a building toy package. The toys at the back here are not much toys as they are hobbyist products. As such, they are more commonly purchased by adults, but are not exclusive to adults. Although it would require a child with a slightly higher IQ than average to enjoy building with these building pieces, it is a rather intricate toy with varying outcomes. The artwork at the back of the package depicts the end products which the toy can be built into. One is a brick house on a grassland and another is a boat on a beach island. Enzo inspects three more packages. One is a train, another a diner, and another a garden, all of them under the same manufacturer as the first toy. When he has finished viewing all four packages, he lays them all out in a row in the shelf before him and reviews them side by side. Then he picks out the diner building pieces again. He turns the package back and forth, scrutinizing the artwork and what he can see to package his contents through the small round plastic shield in the front of the box. He exits the toy shop with his newly purchased building pieces as he makes his way to the mural at the furthest end of the walkway. He continues inspecting the package in his hands. It is mostly the artwork that he has engrossed in It depicts the diner under the foggy night sky. The full moon, a chalky white mothball hovering high above the diner. The neon signboard shines its name at its beholder with its brilliant Magenta letters reading, Vanessa Diner. It reminds him of Lights Out Diner, a half an hour drive away from here, except that the whole idea behind Lights Out is that it only opens at night and closes before morning, and the only lighting available from the streetlights within its vicinity. All cubicles are lined up in a single row along the glass panel that stretches from one corner of the wall to the other. All cubicles are closed off from the neighbors. This way, it doubles as a motel of sorts, and so the very few customers that it receives occasionally come here to take a nap and leave before the diner closes in the morning. At the very least, lights out is a niche concept, a niche that Enzo is a part of. Only in a place like Pella's wish that such a business and its fan exist. Anzo withdraws his eyes from the package and draws the package down to his side as he walks towards the other end of the walkway. As he walks, he looks down from the railing and at the white tiling on the ground floor. He reaches his free hand as far down as he can as if to graze the smoothness of the tiles with his fingertips. Once he reaches the handbag shop, he rests his back against the railing and gazes up at the fading design on the signboard reading, Taylor's Bags. The interior is as maintained as a single board shopkeeper can maintain it, meaning that it is frequently clean but lacks vibrance, as does the rest of the plaza. In that way, the shop blends right in with everything else about Daydream Plaza. Enzo continues his walk towards the art gallery, taking his time to eye the escalators, the empty shop lots, the views through the glass walls inside the shop lots. Within ten minutes, he is standing inside the art gallery and looking up in one of the paintings inside a plain grey frame. This might as well not be an art gallery, but a series of corridors with many paintings hung on the walls. This is just the kind of art galleries Anzo can linger inside for hours on end. Certain features about these art pieces have some form of subtle surrealism to each of them, such as an archway that leads to nowhere, or a blue balloon floating up to a ceiling where there is no shading or lighting on the balloon. There is one that Enzo will make around to get to again, a train station with a railway and platform that stretches on forever. He got lost in this one before he came back to his senses and moved on to check out the other art pieces. He soon realized that this one might be the best one out of the lot, but that its theme is consistent throughout this art gallery. Then he realized this is an artist-run gallery. She makes and sells her own art here. It makes too much sense from the style of her art to the location of her gallery. However, this gallery may not be her bread and butter. It is unlikely. Rather, it is more likely that she makes most of her income through online sales. This gallery is most likely her artist cave, a place she draws inspiration from. This gallery is a medal she keeps hidden in a closet, and she understands her visitors so much so that she knows only an exchange of shy smiles suffices as a greeting. After making a round around the art gallery, he stops at the train station painting again. Once again, he gets lost in it. He waits for the train that will never emerge from out of the darkness at the end of the tunnel. He walks along the platform running his fingers along every pillar he passes by. He leans back against a pillar and looks up at a flickering eyeball downlight. He sits in a bench and waits for the train that will never arrive. In the end, he walks out of the gallery carrying the painting inside a large black portfolio. The price was reasonable, and things can sell out fast online. If he waited even a day to purchase it, it would have sold out. It is strange that there are so many people like Anzo, but they are nowhere to be seen. This artist probably has thousands of fans like him, and he may never meet any of them, because they don't want to meet. If he did not buy this painting, another Enzo would have snatched it up in a minute. Outside Daydream Plaza, he stands at the door of his car and then looks back at the mall with the shy orange sun hiding behind a layer of thick fog and crawling its way to further hide itself behind Daydream Plaza. With a toy package under his armpit and his hand clutching onto the portfolio handle, he unlocks the front door of his car, reaches inside to unlock the back and then puts his purchases on the back seat. Now to the coffee shop, and then to the park. He drops by the roadside coffee stall and gets a black coffee takeaway. Then he takes a 10 minute drive away from there to visit the park. He parks his car a short distance away from the jungle gym and exits his car. Coffee cup in hand, he approaches the bench and sits in it. With his back turned to the jungle gym, he looks onto the foggy woodland ahead. All he can see through the fog and with the sunlight gradually being replaced with moonlight, he can only make out the vague contours of the silhouetted trees. He sits here sipping on his coffee until the foggy night overcomes the foggy day and the orange street lights on the highway switch on. For the next ten minutes, as he finishes the remaining half of his coffee, He looks onto the highway a distance away from the left side of the woodland. The fog over there is all painted a warm orange with the street lighting. Home is a half an hour drive away from here through a series of long, cold, dark roads. He throws his empty coffee cup into the empty trash can, gets inside his car and begins his drive. Half an hour later, He is sitting inside his car in the parking lot at home and admiring the lack of difference from when he left the parking lot and when he is back. Looking at the back seat, he reaches over to pick up the building pieces package. He will open this up on the weekends also, and he will begin building his miniature diner then. On the weekends, he generally stays home as there are generally more people outside. Not always, though. When he goes out on the weekends... He knows how to avoid crowds. In Pella's wish, it's not that hard. He kills his car engine, takes out his newly purchased items, and begins his walk up to his house. Once he is upstairs in his house, he puts the items on his table. Without switching his lights on, he pours himself a glass of warm water and chugs it down. Then his bedtime routine begins. He brushes his teeth. Washes his face, changes into more comfortable clothes and draws his curtains to let in the cold night breeze. And then he slumps in bed and stares at his shaded ceiling, waiting for the dreamlands to claim him at the end of his day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pella's Wish for a Liminal World. And hello, Liminal Space Wanderers and Dreamers. It's probably too late to say hello, but I didn't want to drag the intro on for too long before the story began. If you're awake, I'd like to introduce myself and what I do. If you're asleep, then may these words make into your dream somehow. I am Talha Fadzila, fiction author and narrator of Pella's Wish for a Liminal World. I've been a Liminal Space enthusiast even before I knew the term Liminal Space existed. That said, I wanted to let you know that my other fictional works do depict a lot of liminal spaces as well, so I'd like for you to check them out, namely Butterflies, a psychological horror novel which is just full of liminal space glory. Butterflies is about a man with a head full of butterflies, a disfigured woman with a mysterious past, and the curious pair spiraling down a bizarre path. Butterflies is available for purchase at Biomallite.com. That is B-Y-E-M-B-E-R-L-I-G-H-T dot com. It's quite a sight to explore, so I hope you enjoy doing so.